Hello and welcome to this episode of the Two Cent Sport Podcast. My name is JR, or as my friends and family know me, John Rogowski. I'm here joined by the marvelous Joey Thompson. How you doing, Marv? Hey, how you doing, JR? Oh, man. Couldn't be better. Really excited to be doing this episode. Uh, Want to remind everybody, keep following along with us on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Two Cent Sports Pod and uh, Two Cent Sport Podcast on Facebook. Keep up with us during the week. Uh, we want to have your takes at us as well. As, you know, we do this about once a week, but we we want to know what you guys are thinking about these things. Um, I also want to mention this podcast is brought to you by Ringer. That's R-I-N-G-R dot com. Go to Ringer dot com forward slash two cent pod to get your podcast started and save 25 percent today. So don't delay. I want to start with this. A.D. has... AD, or I should say Anthony Davis, just to make sure everybody's clear, uh, has decided that it's time to break up with the Pelicans. He went out to lunch, couldn't necessarily do it, and uh, Rich Paul had to swoop in and be the bad guy. One of the biggest critiques, let's say, of Anthony Davis is that he's just not maybe a leader. He's not somebody who's willing to speak his mind, and maybe he'll be able to find that over time. But uh, at least he has an agent to do it for him. After that was released, we got a Woj bomb, and the Pelicans want a all-star, a future potential all-star, so a, a young player with all-star potential, and two first-round picks. And Rich Paul countered back, Anthony Davis and Rich Paul countered back and said, okay, we only want to play for the Knicks or the Lakers. That's it. Narrowed his team list down, took off the Clippers. There was speculation of Brooklyn. So just the way that the Pelicans have handled this, it really seems like they're they're fed up. They're tired of it. They've been treated poorly in terms of wanting to get out. Anthony Davis wanted out of there. They didn't honor his wishes. So they're going to try and stick it back to him and get him to get as little as possible and also make sure that he gets to go where he wants for having to put up with this. And And I think that... David Griffin is at a is at a crossroads here where he has to make a decision. Uh, to a lot of times, you want to make sure that you get a good player, a, a good player, or a good players to make sure that you have something to compete with going forward, so that you can tell your ownership, "Hey, I did something. I I got something in return. We're going to win. We're going to be competitive." But New Orleans is a special situation, and I want to make my case for why David Griffin's trade decision is so important and 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 how this could tip the the franchise of New Orleans in the right direction or it could tip them in the complete wrong direction. If he go ha- goes ahead and trades with Los Angeles for players who have already played under the bright lights in LA, they've got their home, they got their feet set for two or three years. These players that I'm talking about, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, they, they've already been under the lights. They've gotten a home, and then they get shipped off to New Orleans, place where nobody attends, nobody watches, nobody cares. There'll be a little bit more with Zion, but it'll take some time. It's not an organic movement like we talked about in the last podcast to make small markets great again. That's not something that's sustainable. It doesn't change a culture. What David Griffin really needs to do if he wants to put it between the Lakers and the Knicks is he needs to get the most amount of picks that he can get out of the Knicks And I I contend that they could give two or three picks, plus a player that's only been in the league for one year, Kevin Knox, a little bit shorter than the other guys. And that way they can build something in their market. They can build something that's new and fresh instead of just trying to 
create something with some, you know, something from over here, something from over there. Marv, you're looking at the trade possibilities here. What is David Griffin going to do? What, what do you think he's up to? Well, you know, based on the bombshell that dropped a few, a uh, few hours ago regarding AD shortening his list to two destinations that he would only re-sign long-term. And I believe he basically just threw a monkey wrench in any plan that New Orleans had in acquiring any kind of all-star type players. Now, if I'm New Orleans, I take the best package possible. And, you know, me being a Knicks fan, I honestly think, I think the Lakers may have the best package when it comes to doing maybe a three-team trade because I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago regarding what the Atlanta Hawks can do. And uh, I did notice Woj mentioned, excuse me, that uh, Atlanta has enough trade assets to trade up as high as uh, Cleveland Cavaliers pick, which is the fifth pick. Now, I thought, well, why won't they try to trade up to the fourth pick? And they ha possibly have what the eighth pick, the 10th pick, the 17th pick. And I believe they have another pick that's in the top 40 picks as well in the second round. So it's an early second round pick. You bundle those picks up, flip it over to LA and then LA can go ahead and turn back and maybe possibly include Brandon Ingram and up to three, three, uh, first round picks and a second round pick and possibly future picks and send that over to New Orleans for AD. I think that would be the perfect package for them they would just get one guy and brandon ingram and then they'll get a bunch of picks which they can go ahead and draft guys that fit their system and they can uh how i say groom along with zion and have a really good young nucleus for the future so uh i think that'll be the best package now the next we do have a lot of picks i mean we have the third pick this year and in the future, we do have both of Dallas's picks, which would be 2021 and 2023. Now, if the Pelicans really like that, then I could see the Knicks possibly uh, making another trade, possibly with, let's say, if, uh, if you know, if the uh, Pelicans want more picks, then, of course, the same scenario applies to the Knicks where they can trade down with Atlanta and possibly get an extra piece from Atlanta because the third pick it does you know weigh a little bit more than the fourth pick and possibly make the similar trade and throw in Knox and possibly another piece and I think that gets it done for New Orleans. So it's gonna be pretty interesting to see how this plays out. I know New Orleans is looking to do this trade before or by the draft, so it's gonna be an interesting uh week. You bring up an interesting point with bringing in Atlanta to the Los Angeles trade. I think that would be an excellent move for all teams because you have the Lakers who really need to get a superstar. They're in complete disarray. So they can move on from their pieces, send them to Atlanta, meanwhile sending their picks back to David Griffin. Now, I'm not saying that David Griffin and the Pelicans, I'm not saying that the, that the, uh, the Pelicans have to do the deal with just the Knicks. The whole point that I, I want to make is that in order for New Orleans to become a successful, respected franchise, they not only need a talent reset, they need a culture reset. They need guys who haven't been anywhere else in the league to come in and change how things are done, to work together, to build something. Now, just bringing this to real life, there was a uh, study done on schools, on inner city school groups, and they said, what would it take to get you as a teacher to come teach it in the inner cities. Could we give you more money? Oh, maybe. 
could we give you more time off, more more flexible hours? Uh, maybe. But it turned out at the end of the study, if they had a principal recruit a team that came in together and they had somebody who had their back, that was much more likely than the finances or the time off or anything like that. And that's kind of what the Pelicans are up against. They're the, <laughs> they're, they're the inner city schools of of the NBA. Nobody wants to play with them. Nobody wants to watch their team. The hell, their, their city doesn't even care about them. So, and you bring up the interesting point too with Atlanta, they're not far away from winning. I, you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we put it on the podcast or not, but Atlanta's kind of got a little Golden State thing going on there where they got uh, Trey Young, their version of Steph Curry. They got some nice pieces around there, some other young guys. If they were to plug in Brandon Ingram, if he could pop, with their player development, maybe being a little bit better than the Lakers. It seems like anybody who leaves the Lakers is instantly better. Um, I don't know what's going on with their development over there, but it's not going well. I don't know if it's their people or the distracted in Los Angeles, but uh, yeah, whether it's New York or, or the situation like that, they just have to get the picks. Marv, I want to ask you about this. Is, is Anthony Davis, is it, is there really a chance that he could go somewhere else. Uh, I know he's made his two teams very clear that he wants to be at, but it doesn't seem like teams always listen to that. And with the Kawhi Leonard deal, a one-year rental might turn into a championship, whether he stays or goes. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, are there any other players in this in this game here, this trade? I mean, if someone really wants Anthony Davis, they will offer their best offer. The only thing is they're going to do it you know, thinking, well, this is possibly only going to be a one-year rental and hope they can convince him to stay, which is highly unlikely because it looks like uh, his, uh, how I say, his manager, uh, Rich Ball, has uh, an agenda and he wants to make sure he gets his agent, I'm sorry, his um his player, Anthony Davis, to a, a big market. And that's why I think he narrowed it down to New York and Los Angeles, two biggest, largest markets in the United States. It looks like, you know, he's looking at trying to make him a lot more money in the near future. And he knows the brow can be more marketable outside of New Orleans in New York or in Los Angeles. And I think that's that's the whole goal from the beginning was to get him out of New Orleans, which is possibly the smallest market in the NBA into two of the largest markets. Yeah, I, I don't see a lot of other players, to be honest with you. I'm with you there. There's Brooklyn. They could offer D'Angelo Russell, but they're kind of short on picks. Los Angeles Clippers don't have the picks. There could be somebody that comes out of the woodwork, kind of like Oklahoma City for Paul George. I don't think anyone saw that coming. But if you want picks, Knicks can give them to you. Lakers can give you at least one really good pick and potentially bring in another team to trade for more. So I really do believe it's down to the two-team race. And uh, the Pelicans, not David Griffin, but the Pelicans as a franchise really shot themselves in the foot here because they could have gotten more previously. And and by the way, I don't think the Celtics are a real contender at all. If you look at the history of Danny Ainge, he has to absolutely unequivocally win the trade. And I could very much argue that even with Kyrie leaving with that two-year rental, he won the trade because they gave away almost nothing for it. But this is a guy that just is stuck on sticking it to you and always winning the trade no matter what. And I don't think that's a great way to do business. So I don't think, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to give away Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown 
And I don't think that package is better than the Knicks. Marv, if you're David Griffin, are you going to do a, a deal with the Celtics at all, even even with all those picks out there? I wouldn't do it. I mean, he already got fleeced one time by the by the Celtics. I don't think you know that's kind of fresh on our minds still because yeah, that good happened point. That was with the Cavs. Yeah, and he was the GM at the time, so I don't think he's gonna he's gonna allow them to fleece him again. Uh, yeah, if I'm him, I'm looking for the young players, guys that he can develop, and uh, you know make them believe in their what they're building in New Orleans. And the only two teams that possibly could do that is New York or Los Angeles. New York being they have the younger uh, players, the younger assets. So I think it's at the end of the day, it's down to those two teams. And maybe in the next nine days or maybe on draft day, we will be seeing a big blockbuster trade go down. Yeah, you make a great point on on fleecing. That, that is kind of, uh, what's his name? The, the general manager, Danny Ainge, it's kind of his MO fleecing people. When, when you've been fleecing people for so long, you kind of get a little hesitant to do a deal with somebody. And I forgot David Griffin was the one who did the deal with him and, and got completely fleeced with Isaiah Thomas, who they ended up moving on from in the same season. That was a horrible trade. And, and Danny Ainge has kind of gained a reputation where he will not create a win-win scenario. He will only create a win for himself and stick you with a bunch of, uh, you know what, nothing good. Uh <laughs> I want to shift to this, the NBA Finals. Oh wow, we were we were quite a bit off, as was I think the rest of the entire world. It's turned out to be something a little bit different than Golden State in four or five, and I get it. There's a lot to be said about Kawhi Leonard and what he's done and what the Toronto Raptors have done. And one of the things that I think both you and I overlooked, Marv, and what other people in the sports media overlooked, is actually the length of Toronto they what I noticed in game one I, I actually had a shift of of thought process after game one I look at Clay and what Clay when he was healthy and Steph Curry and it's not like they weren't making shots they weren't able to take shots they're all about the three and they couldn't even get them off because of the length so I don't want to take away from the Toronto Raptors unbelievable performance so far up three to one We'll see if they can seal the deal. It's not quite done yet. Kevin Durant's coming back for game five. So it's wide open. Uh, so, so we'll see. But I got to say this. I don't know if this is so much Toronto as it is just attrition and age. You can say on paper, well, the Warriors have Iguodala, a, a finals MVP. Well, he's four years older. Clay Thompson got the injury. He's nowhere near himself. He can't move the way he needs to. You see him limping all over the place. Curry's carrying the entire team. Looney's injured. They got no length to match up because they have no depth with their bench. So without KD, they are really in a bad spot. And it's, again, KD is an injury. So you got Clay injured, KD injured, Looney injured. That, That gives you some length. He's not a superstar. And Andre Iguodala's old. Marv, am I way off in saying that this is not so much the Raptors as it is just the Warriors got old and fatigued? Yeah, that is true. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, the Warriors, you know, age and injuries have caught up to them finally. I mean, it's it's been tough to watch them play at times because of so many bodies dropping every day, every game that they've played. 
I also think uh, one thing that, you know, a lot of people are overlooking is this guy, Nick Nurse, he's just coaching circles around Steve Kerr. And it's very embarrassing out there seeing how well he's, you know, uh, matching up with what Steve Kerr puts out there and just destroying it. I mean, it's it's been been a how I put it, it's been a clinic out there. Like this guy looks so calm and easy on the sideline and anything the Warriors throw at him, he goes and counters it and does it even better than them. And, you know, he's he's using uh his length of his team to his advantage because in game one, I don't think anyone expected uh Pascal Siakam to drop 32 points, but he just kept attacking him. And then when the moment with uh, Looney and them got hurt, they just kept attacking that weakness because they had no length. Plus, uh, DeMarcus Cousins plays no defense, so they, all they do is just keep going straight at him inside the hole all day. And those games where uh, you have Marcus Gasol, he was also doing his thing and putting up 15 to 20 points. I mean, when you got two of the other bigs on the other team dropping 20 points and 30 points, obviously your your team is not doing something right. And I think the, the Warriors are liking that as uh, length and size, and that's been a glaring weakness that Toronto has been attacking in the series. That's a great point, one that I overlooked. I think you kind of hit on the the fact that the Raptors have found the maybe the Warriors' Achilles heel. Let's not forget Steve Coach or Steve Kerr coach team lost three to one or were up three to one and then lost the series to Cleveland. So when you look at that and then you get down three to one, when you lose your big superstar and get a, get some injuries, which again, very tough to overcome, but he is certainly getting out coached. And I've said on the podcast before uh, one or two, and I think I've said it more than once. Do we even know if Steve Kerr's a good coach? I I don't know, and he's certainly not at least not stepping up to the occasion. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I think he's getting too much credit for what he's done. He took over a 53 win team from Mark Jackson, and then he gets a superstar, one of the best players in the world, the top three player, gifted to him after 73 and nine. I mean, you really can't get much luckier than that, and I can't hold it against Steve Kerr at all. He's done a phenomenal job. They've, they've won games. He's done his job. But when it push comes to shove and they're really in a tight corner, they're not showing out a lot, a lot of life. Maybe Kevin Durant can bring them back. Uh, is speaking of Kevin Durant, Marv, is, is Durant the issue here? Is I'm hearing that his focus might be elsewhere and not with the team. Well, from what I'm hearing is, a lot of his teammates in the locker room have been questioning him. They're uh, questioning if, how severe his injury really is, if he's, you know, all there with them, or is he still, you know, thinking about his offseason and his free agency that's up and coming. And I honestly think it's both. I think maybe he's been preserving himself because he didn't really want to go out there and, and you know, re-aggravate his injury. And that's why he's been sitting out and he's trying to show them pretty much uh, how I say um, show them that they need him basically you know teach them a lesson let them struggle without me and show them when I come out there how much they needed me and start winning and if he does find a way to you know pull back and win some games for these uh, Warriors and somehow come back from this 3-1 hole then most of the leverage is going to be on his side and then when he decides to leave, 
they're going to be begging him not to leave. And he's going to be like, well, I thought you guys say you couldn't win without me. And I proved that you can't win without me. So now I'm gone. Try to win without me now. And I think that's pretty much what, you know, he's thinking right now. So we're going to see how this all turns out and plays out. Yeah, you make a great point. He is really in a good spot. Either he comes back and saves the day or he just says, well, you guys couldn't win without me. Like you said, they said, Draymond said, well, we won without you. We'll win without you again at one point in the regular season. It, it is interesting. He kind of has set himself up to be the hero one way or another. But I'm going to push back on that narrative just a little bit. Um, and going back to the fact that, again, Golden State is old and injured. And this doesn't, to me, it doesn't fully validate. It gives a little bit more credibility to his titles. I know his titles have the little asterisks next to it. Uh, players in the league feel that way. A lot of the media feels that way. I mean, you jump on a 73-9 and nine team and win a couple of rings. Those do not mean what the original uh, Golden State Warriors ring meant or what any other or players ring mean to them. I don't, I don't think that's the case. That doesn't mean that they're worthless. I, I just think that they're not, they don't hold the same value. They weren't as hard to get. Therefore they're not as valuable. He he's going to be sitting there and I, I'm going to tell you this, Marv, they're going to, the, the media, if they lose, is going to jump all gung ho on, Oh, looks like Kevin Durant's rings were, were really something. They, they don't have an asterisk because that sells, that's a story. That's interesting. That's what people are going to listen to, and they're going to debate about it. But I, I don't fully buy that narrative. Are you buying it? Um, no, I'm not really buying it. I honestly think, at the end of the day, KD is going to do what's best for KD, and if he feels that this is the best for him, I mean, I think he was feeling a lot of pressure to play in Game Five because all his teammates were probably questioning him. The media was questioning him, and. So he's going to go out there and I'm, I'm sure he's going to give his best. If the Warriors will continue to win, then cool. But if not, I think at the end of the day, he's probably also going to be a scapegoat because if they lose, he comes out, plays, they lose. They're going to say, well, even with him in the lineup, we couldn't beat Toronto. And then once he leaves, they'll say, well, look at him now. He's, he's running away from a sinking ship. He won't stick around with his team even when they lose. He's only there when they're winning, but he leaves when they lose. And, you know, so it's going to be a lose-lose situation in a way for him. And so I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting how all this unfolds. I got to push back on that just a little bit based on the fact that I think he will get a pass if he comes back. Well, let's say, well, he wasn't fully healthy and these guys took him for granted and he might still bolt because of that. I do worry that he's going to stay because they're going to beg him to stay. And KD is a guy who's very let's say emotional, he's very in the moment. So he, he might go ahead and say, oh, okay, I'll stay for a little bit longer, at least one more year, break in the new arena, get three titles. But obviously there's a, a strong argument for him to leave as well. To He's got his rings. They're never going to, even if he comes back and is undoubtedly the MVP, we've debated whether he's the MVP on, on his own team. I said no, that's certainly more of a, a debatable point at this juncture in the road, but those titles will never, like we've talked about, those titles will never mean the same as they would mean in New York or anywhere for that matter, where he kind of, even if he puts together a quote unquote super team, it will be a lot more valuable 
making that camaraderie rather than joining somebody else's team and piling on for some rings when they were winning rings in the first place or they had won one and then they had blown a three to one lead without him. But uh, speaking of player mobility, I want to shift to this. Kawhi Leonard is one game away from taking an NBA finals, another NBA finals championship, another NBA finals MVP and uh, taking down three dynasties all at once or, or not all at once, but throughout his entire career, he, he took down the Spurs by leaving. He took down the Heat previously with the Spurs, and now he can take down the Warriors. And I think undoubtedly there's not much room for debate that he will become, or, or I should say he will be crowned the best player in the NBA. Most of these sports media, if not all the sports media, will agree on that. I'm, I'm all in on that. I, I, I know you are, Marv. But my question is, Marv, is he going to stay if they win? Is he going to stay in Toronto? That's a very good question. And I honestly think, I don't think he's going to stay regardless of the outcome. Now, let me ask you this, JR. Put yourself in, in Kawhi's situation, in his shoes. You come off, let's say, let's say, for example, they win the title. Now, you have an opportunity to go to Los Angeles where you grew up, uh, an area where you feel that you're going to be happy. The weather is nice, the lifestyle. Now, would you take that or would you stay in Toronto another year on a team that's possibly this is going to be the best we're ever going to see them have this roster? This is probably the best built roster they've had ever. And I don't think, you know, after this season that they're going to be able to maintain all those pieces because a lot of those guys are free agents and are getting older in age. Now, what would you do if you're Kawhi? Boy, that is a really tough question. And I think that there's two, there's a strong argument for each side. And I'll break them down real quick. When you're with Toronto, you they're rolling out the red carpet. You're not only getting this uh, key to the city of Toronto, but you're getting a key to the whole country of Canada. The amount of just gravitas that he has in, in Canada is incredible. But Canada is Canada. It's not America. But that being said, still all the love and adoration that's being put on him. Uh, there was a company, a, a financial trading company that offered if he signed a long-term deal, he would get all his money up front. So that's like $250 million in your bank account tomorrow. And furthermore, you'd be looking at all these these deal, Drake got a $220 million jet. Who knows? Kawhi could get a, an ambassadorship like that. They're just rolling out the red carpet and giving him anything that he wants. $20 million penthouse. Here it is. It's yours if you want it. I mean, they are just giving him everything that you could think of. But you go back to LA and you, like you said, you get to be where you grew up. You get to start. And I think one of the most interesting points, whether it's the Knicks or it's the Clippers or, or the Lakers, if you win in San Antonio and then you go ahead and win in Toronto, which has been a mostly a joke as far as NBA uh, punchlines, and then you go win somewhere else, you win three championships. LeBron has not done that. This guy, <laughs> I say it tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but he's on the verge of making LeBron look like a chump if he does that. And and the other argument for, for Los Angeles or, or, or elsewhere, let's call it, is that like I said in the last podcast, this is a, a great fling. It's It doesn't look like a good marriage, to your point, Marv. It's 
a marriage should get better over time. And this thing looks like it's already reached its peak and it's time to sit, shake hands and go our separate ways, if you will. It's just the future in Toronto on a basketball perspective, if that's what he cares about from a basketball perspective, this is as good as it gets a title. And then you move on. Like you said, their roster is getting old and they're just, they don't have a lot to offer. Kyle Lowry, this is, is has never been consistent. This is just lightning caught in a bottle with a cherry on top of the Warriors being really injured. Marv, you think he's going to leave? You think he's going to leave for sure? Because I, I let me just say this before you answer that. I think that there's a very strong possibility that he signs short term for one more year and see what they can do because their GM, what's his name, Yuri Jury, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's done a hell of a job for them. And you can't rule it out that they could make their situation a little bit better. But even even all that said, you're still sold. Yeah, I'm still sold that he's you know really thinking about Los Angeles, uh, the Clippers to be exact. Uh, the Clippers will roll out the red carpet for him. I mean, he recently also purchased a home in Los Angeles. A lot of people said he purchased a home in Toronto, but a couple of days ago, I I saw an interview of him and he uh, shot down that rumor. So. I mean, I think he still really is interested in Los Angeles. Uh, he's considering staying in Toronto, but I think that, that, uh, his new balance people and his agent, I think they're going to want to get him over to a major, uh, major city. His, uh, I think it's Uncle Dennis who helps him run, run his, uh, his finances. And Uncle Dennis, you know, obviously from day one, he's wanted, uh, Kawhi to be traded either to Los Angeles or New York. And I think, you know, New York, those top three teams may get a sit down with Kawhi when, uh, the free agency period starts. So I think he'll sit down with Toronto. He'll sit down with the Knicks and he'll sit down with the Clippers. And at the end of the day, I think whoever offers him is the best situation and the best lifestyle. I think that's where Kawhi is going to go because at the end of the day, uh, if you think about it, it's just going to be his last major check unless he, you know, he could last till maybe 35, but. This may be his last uh, big payday, and I'm sure he's like LeBron. He's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to feel comfortable and he's going to be happy with his decision. So I think at the end of the day, he's going to go possibly to the Clippers. I think you're right. I think his agent, his uncle, New Balance, everybody being his ear saying, let's go to Los Angeles. You're now crowned the best player. And I, I think whether they win or lose, I think he is w- – is and will be crowned the best player in the NBA. That crown will be passed from LeBron to him. LeBron will have his chance to earn it back. KD will have his chance to earn it. But I I don't see any result of this finals where he isn't. With that being said, it, it's really a matter of, do you want to be a medium-sized fish in a large pond? Whereas I, I don't mean any disrespect to Kawhi, but his personality is very small. And LA is full of big personalities and stars. So he's just going to be another guy other than his basketball abilities. He's just going to be another guy. So this whole thing about selling New Balance in, in, in Los Angeles, the Clippers certainly isn't going to help that. The Lakers might if he wants to take a meeting with them. Do you want to be a, a, a medium-sized fish in a big pond or you want to be the largest, biggest fish in Canada's small pond history? It's just a matter of that question. And for him... I could see a scenario, and I know, Marv, you've said this, and, and we know this. He's all about basketball. That's what he says. He's, he's all about basketball. So that goes to your point. But for a guy who's been overlooked and underappreciated his entire life, 
it's got to feel nice. It's got to be tempting to, to to be that really large fish in a small pond when it's been the exact opposite. He's been a small fish in a, in a large pond that is the world, San Diego State, the Spurs. He moved on from the Spurs because he didn't feel the respect. He didn't feel committed. So he's finally getting that respect, even if it's on a, a smaller scale and he can sell less sneakers. Uh, he's going to have a very lucrative opportunity in Canada with their companies there, as well as if he were to take the long-term deal, he's going to get $40 million more and he could get that all up front so he could start investing it and, and using it how we, how we wanted to. Um, with that being said, I don't see him signing a long-term deal. I see him signing a one-on-one with uh, Toronto. And if things didn't go well, he'd, he'd book out. I still think he'd be good for a four-year Supermax after that, uh, even if things didn't turn out as, as well as you thought. Uh, I got to say, Marv, we, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I'm going to go on the fact that I, I do think he's going to sign a one-year deal, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. I agree with more so your philosophy and moving on because, again, it's that that fling that really isn't going to get any better unless there's something we're not seeing. They don't have a lot of trade assets. They don't have a lot to put together. Is there, is there anything that I'm missing Marv that they could put together to, to kind of reboot the scenario? They don't have a lot of picks, do they? From what I know, no, they, I think they sent that part of the Kawhi trade. Also, um, think about it. Uh, he won't be able to get any other free agents to come to Toronto if they get cap room. Cause I mean, who honestly wants to go play in Canada? I mean, so if he goes to Los Angeles or even New York, he can always recruit another star to come with him. And that's a possibility. You know, he could choose his teammates. And Toronto, he's not going to be able to choose his teammates because one, no one's going to freely go up there and sign as a free agent. And two, uh, they would, they would have to make some trades to acquire other players that are considered all stars or stars to come play there because, like I said, no one's freely going to go to, Toronto and say, hey, I want to go play in Toronto and sign a max contract. That doesn't happen. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah, and it's it's truly lightning in a bottle. And I'll, I'll mention the finals as well with the Warriors and the uh, Raptors. Ratings are down about 18% as opposed to last year. So if the NBA business side gets involved or there's other people in his ear, they're certainly going to more than likely want him to take off and, and go somewhere else to to kind of help balance out the landscape of the NBA if he can join with somebody because I like you're saying I don't if there's these shifts in the NBA landscape or even if the Warriors are back together and healthy and they'll I guarantee you if they're back together and healthy they'll manage their minutes a little bit better and KD might take 20 games off next year based on his injury I don't see a, a scenario where the currently constructed Raptors are competitive next year and it's gone on throughout sports history. We have a, a team that catch lightning in a bottle and then they just aren't the same anymore. So whatever uh, Kawhi does, I, I wish him the best and I hope he makes the best decision for himself. That's the most important thing that he's happy, but it's certainly going to be interesting because I know you and I were both on the train that he's definitely out of there, but wow, there's a pretty good case to, to stay at least for, at least to extend that stay a little bit, at least for a little bit longer. I want to thank everyone for listening today. That's all we got for you for the podcast. Uh, we will keep you up to date as we go along. Keep giving you our takes. We hope to get your takes on social media. Don't forget to keep following along with us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Marv, you got anything else for the people? NBA draft, people. Get ready for some fireworks. 
Marv's geeked about the NBA draft. Marv's all about the drafts. NFL, NBA, he's your guy. Uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, so we're definitely going to have a podcast. He's going to break that down for you, and uh, we'll continue to give our takes, and hopefully you guys are entertained and, and, and let us know what you think. So with that being said, we'll talk to you later. Later, everyone.